talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the Full Court Press. RJ Salveson here. Flying solo, it's me, myself, I, and you. Hope you're well on a Wednesday midway through the week at the end of July. Can you believe it or not? March and April felt like five months. June and July have felt like four weeks. One month, I guess that'd be total, right? Crazy. Two months of goods flying by uh, as we now approach the, really the breaking point, right, uh, for the Power 5 conferences to make a decision on what they want to do. As you've already heard at our top of the hour break, you heard that uh, the ACC is going to go to a conference uh, conference schedule plus one non-conference game. Now, what does that non-conference game include? Notre Dame is also going to be involved in the conference, which means they also have the ability to play for an ACC championship. The SEC, as you heard, and it's been reported by Sports Illustrated, is that they are planning on announcing just a conference schedule only. So BYU's hope to play Alabama, either at neutral site or in Tuscaloosa, is looking less and less likely. And by the way, they still have Missouri as an opponent. That would also get washed away. So a lot of news there. Uh, We'll get to that stuff and and so much more here on the Full Court Press. MLB News, Joe Kelly, (laughs) bless his heart. Uh, He wanted to uh, send a message but probably did it in the wrong way. Look, about three weeks ago, I said, if you want to throw at him, great. Actually, it was like last week. If you want to throw at him, great, do it. You have the right to. Don't throw for the head, though. You don't throw at the head. Aim for the hip, the thigh, or the ribs. That's all you need. Put it one in this, you know, the lower part of his back. You do not need to throw at the head. The uh, eight-game suspension has been uh, put in. To Joe Kelly, he's now out, and with a 60-game schedule, that's 13%, give or take, part of the season. And now with that, Dave Roberts has also been suspended for one game. Uh, He'll serve that suspension, I believe, tonight in the uh, capper of the Dodgers-Astros series. Boy, been a fun series, though. Really interesting to watch. I I wonder what it would have looked like with fans, though. That's one series... I really wish we would have had fans at. Begging to have fans at. We'll get into more baseball here in a little bit. Utah Jazz basketball, they begin their season tomorrow uh, as they face the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion Williamson is a game-time decision. Uh, he went through some workout today, but they have not made a decision whether he will play against the Jazz or not. Again, he'll be a game-time decision my guess is that he'll play. I would very likely guess that he'll play. Uh, Utah Jazz will overtake our station tomorrow afternoon, which means we have no show tomorrow, which means this is the final episode of Season 2. That's right. We are finally through Season 2. Season 3 will start on Friday, and, it'll, and it will be 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. It's a two-hour show with Eric and I. We'll have some guests for you, a couple of them at least, to talk some jazz basketball. Uh, if not some baseball as well. So we'll load that up for you. I hope you look forward to it as much as we do and having a two-hour show back. Can't wait to get going again. Um, and hopefully, we hope that there will be college football. As you saw, if you have social media, uh, call, 
excuse me, not college basketball, Utah State, which is college basketball, they began practice yesterday. Uh, I talked to someone who was there, and they said it was uh, it was good. It was good to see the guys working hard. It looks like they're uh, they're getting back into shape. Some of them look really, really good, and some of them probably need to go for a couple laps, but uh, they are impressed, and they are ready to go. Um, that these kids are ready to uh, go defend their back-to-back Mountain West Conference Tourney Championships. So Utah State basketball is back on the court. That's good news. Hey, if you want to join the show, you can by testing in at 435-339-0321. Or you can call in at 435-752-1069. Always happy to have you join the show however and wherever you are doing so from here on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Let's start with the college football schedule. The announcement set again by the ACC that it will be 11-game fall football schedule. And the kicker to it all, it includes the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame. Um, the board of directors voted uh, earlier today with that 11-game football schedule. It will begin on September 12th. This, of course, is pending that we do have a football season. Um, and as I already noted, that Notre Dame will be a part of it. Now, all ACC schools and Notre Dame will play 10 conference games, plus one non-conference game of their choosing, and the Fighting Irish will be eligible for the ACC championship game. There will be no divisions for this season only. This is a one-time deal only. Uh, the non-conference game must take place in the home state of the ACC institution, and all non-conference opponents must have met the medical protocol requirements as agreed upon by the ACC during the coronavirus pandemic. The 11 games will be played over at least 13 weeks with two built-in bye weeks. That gives them a little bit of a, uh, a buffer just in case anything goes wrong uh, in the uh, with this coronavirus and college football season. The ACC championship game will be played in Charlotte, North Carolina. That will be on either December 12th or 19th. Usually these games are at the first weekend of December. Now have been pushed back one to two weeks and will feature the top two teams, of course, with the highest conference winning percentages so no longer do you have the divisions it's just going to be all bunched into one and it could be Clemson and Notre Dame it could be Virginia and Notre Dame it could be anybody at this point it sets up for a more competitive ACC championship something that we haven't seen uh in a well in quite some time I mean you even look at uh uh when I mean Clemson's been really the the bread and butter of the ACC Conference. They've represented them of the ACC Conference in the college football playoff for, what, the last four or five years, give or take. And so this finally actually has a chance to set up a a competitive championship game, which I'm thrilled to see because it it just we don't see a lot of competitive conference championship games anymore. At least it doesn't feel like it at all. In fact, as I was uh, looking at... I was looking for scores here. Um, the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight conference championships have been represented by a whopping two teams. Florida State from 2012 to 2014, and then Clemson, of course, from 2015 to 2019. So the hope is now that you create a little bit more of a uh, – of a competitive conference championship game for the ACC. Uh, if Notre Dame is in that championship game with Clemson, what does that look like for the college football playoff? If we have a college football playoff, what would that look like? Um, and 
I think the other question to it is, is, is what does it look like for the SEC, right? Conference schedule only. There's just a lot of questions right now to, or I guess there's a lot of variables to what Notre Dame being in the ACC can do to the college football playoff. We've seen the SEC uh, and the Big Ten really dominate the majority of the teams in that four-team playoff. So what would it look like now? Uh, I'm trying to actually find a score for each of the last four games. And I don't have a score for the ACC championship games, but I saw something to the fact of that the last five ACC championship games have been by double-digit points. The decision has. The final score. It's been by double digits. Now, with if you have Notre Dame and Clemson, it sets up for a little bit more spicy uh, of a schedule. In fact, looking at the schedule, for example, let's go to Notre Dame. Um, you're not going to believe this, but it's saucy. They actually head to Clemson. <laughs> Think about that. Notre Dame will actually get Clemson to start off the uh, conference schedule. And that's actually at home. Excuse me. That's in South Bend, Indiana. Notre Dame will have Clemson at home. And then uh, they get Duke, Florida State, Louisville, and Syracuse at home. Meanwhile, their games on the road will include Boston College, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Pitt, and Wake Forest. Again, I don't think there's any cream to the crop like Notre Dame and, and uh, Clemson. I don't think there's anybody else that competes with these two teams. But it's good to have two teams compete for a conference championship that are actually battling maybe to play for the supremacy of being one of the top four teams in the playoff. And as we've seen before, they'll take two teams from one conference into the playoff. Does Notre Dame help the ACC in that regard? And does it change anything in the future for Notre Dame? Or excuse me, I guess for Notre Dame and the ACC conference, do they bring a partnership into it? Uh, the full entire schedule will be released at a later date for the ACC, according to ESPN. Uh, but according to the ACC Commissioner John Swafford, he says, quotes, Today's decision was made after months of thoughtful planning by numerous individuals throughout the conference. The, board, excuse me, the board's decision presents a path, if public health guidance allows, to move forward with competition. Our institutions are committed to taking the necessary measures to facilitate the return in a safe and responsible manner. We recognize that we may need to be nimble and make adjustments in the future. We will be as prepared as possible should that need arise. Now, the board of directors consisting of the ACC's presidents, chancellors, met Wednesday to decide what to do about the fall sports season. Uh, of course, with this pandemic, you know, it just hasn't slowed down. People thought it would die in May, then said June, now say July. We're still almost going at reckless pace here. So with fall football practice, that's set to begin next week. And then uh, they also have, I believe their media days has been announced for next week as well. Um, but again, the ACC has a 10 plus one schedule. So 10 conference games plus one non-conference game. Does the ACC partner with either the Big 12 or the SEC to play that one non-conference game? Based on travel, you would almost say the SEC, right? And then you just kind of play it out even, 14 versus 14, one non-conference game each, and call it good. But there's also the need for rivalry games. Clemson, South Carolina. Florida, 
Florida State. Uh, Miami and Florida. So those are some questions that might raise. In fact, for Miami, they do they do get Florida State in the season opener. Actually, that's right. That's not the season opener. That's just one of their home games. That Miami is scheduled to play Florida State. So that's one of the rivalries that will be saved. But South Carolina and Clemson still need help from the SEC if the SEC decides to play a conference plus one schedule. But Miami-Notre Dame is not on record. Think about that. Remember the old Catholic versus convict game? Miami and Notre Dame, that controversial game, Jimmy Johnson versus uh, Lou Holtz? No Miami versus Notre Dame this year. Uh, But with the ACC in this schedule, all 15 teams will be a part of the bowl process, and Notre Dame would be eligible again for the ACC slot in the Orange Bowl if it is not selected as a college football playoff semifinalist. All television revenue for the 2020 season, including Notre Dame's home games broadcast by NBC, will be shared equally by all 15 institutions. How big is that? That financially, okay, so not only do they get to work this in a conference standpoint, that the Notre Dame Irish can be able to play in a conference for at least only this season and stay away from the whole independent playing each other twice a week, hello BYU. But they also were kind enough and courteous enough to share their TV revenue, helped with NBC, that will be equally uh, distributed upon all 15 institutions. That's major, major goods for the ACC. Uh, Notre Dame already had six ACC league games as part of their independent schedule. So now they'll just add four more, which makes it super, super easy. They have non-conference games against Arkansas, Navy, Western Michigan. Or at least they did. Uh, With Notre Dame now joining a conference, you can probably wipe out those non-conference games, which means Michigan uh, lost their non-conference game with Notre Dame. But of course, Big Ten already went not or conference only. So the uh, only road game they had was Navy, and that was scheduled for September 5th. Um, And that was supposed to be in Ireland, but was going to get moved back to Navy to go play there. So it's it's a big deal for the ACC. It's great news for the uh, Notre Dame Irish, where they finally have some help um, in getting their schedule put together. Now, in with the other fall sports, not just football, but the ACC Fall Olympic sports, they can start on September 10th. Uh, it says that team sports will play a conference schedule that meets the NCAA minimum amount of games. Field hockey will have six. Women's soccer will have six, as will men's soccer. And volleyball will have 10. Any additional games can be played at the school's discretion. And any additional conference games uh, would be played beyond the minimum, or assuming that would be played beyond the minimum, would not count in the league standing. So, again, great news for the ACC, better news for the uh, Notre Dame Irish who finally have a conference schedule set and will join the ACC and in turn will distribute all their TV revenue. Really good news. Uh, for both sides, which is big right now because what does that mean for the ACC conference, right? What does that mean, excuse me, not for the ACC, for the SEC conference? If it is reported, as has been said before, that they decide to, uh, 
if they decide to go conference only, BYU loses not one but two games, Missouri and uh, their hopeful future opponent for the season at Alabama or versus Alabama at a neutral site, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, but it's it's major news for them nonetheless. Hey, speaking of the uh, ACC, Virginia Tech's cornerback, Caleb Farley, has decided to opt out of this season um, and prepare for the NFL draft. Now, he's a projected first-round pick, but amid the coronavirus pandemic, he wanted to be safe. So, with that, uh, here's Caleb Farley talking about uh, opting out and uh and first of all, starting here, the fact that he wants to uh, that he wants to compete, of course. Though the competitor in me badly wants to play this season, I cannot ignore what's going on in my heart, and I must make the decision that brings me the most peace. So thank you, Virginia Tech, my coaches, teammates, and anyone else who has supported me in the past. And then here's Cale Farley with the announcement. After much consideration with my family, I have decided to opt out of the 2020 college football season and began preparing for the 2021 NFL Draft. I am opting out due to uncertain health conditions and regulations and all the other opt-outs going on in football right now. It's big news for the Virginia Tech uh, Hokies, who were really relying on uh, Caleb to make a huge impact. He led the team in interceptions and I believe was second on team in tackles. Uh, it was in the defensive backfield last year, so he was a big, big part of the of the Hokie defense. It's a big loss for the Hokies themselves. How many players start to opt out from college football? Um, you've seen some messages on social media from some of those college football players that they feel like they're being put at a risk, and uh, that's that's not good for and I mean that's not good for a lot of colleges um, that are not Power Five. Some players have brought out that uh, concern again that they'd be they'd be at the risk of the coronavirus if they went out and played. Now there are a ton of kids who want film. They want scouts to see them. They want that film of a season of themselves so that scouts can see them and that they can prepare for the NFL draft. In fact, I'd say that the latter is much more higher ratio than the former. Speaking of college football, the uh, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN who's joined our show before Rutgers football. Uh, they had their COVID-19 outbreak. And in fact, it has been linked to, guess what? An on-campus party that several athletes attended. Uh, 15 of them were Rutgers football players, and they all tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, this is according to Judith uh, Parashelli, I think, New Jersey State Health Commissioner. Uh, but she said, uh, Julie said during a press uh, news press briefing today in Trenton, that there have been several circumstances where indoor and outdoor gatherings in our state have led to community clusters of COVID-19. She included the party at the Rutgers as one of the number of gatherings that led to a coronavirus outbreak. Uh, when Rutgers were reached for a comment, they did not respond in a request for that. But on Saturday, they announced that the football program would be quarantined after six positive tests. Uh, that's one of the latest cycles they had. It's the total of 10 positive tests since players began returning to campus June 15th. Um, and all that they would say is that there's been an outbreak of 15 players uh, that are currently testing positive. So not good news for the uh, Rutgers, who, by the way, are one of two Big Ten programs in quarantine right now. Michigan State's entire team has paused all workouts until at least August 4th because of the recent positive tests. Speaking of the Big Ten, Penn State has also reported eight positive tests among athletes. Um, 
There are 466 total tests of student-athletes on July 24th. 66 are still pending in regards of results. The tests were for student-athletes only, not staff, and across all sports, according to a school sports person. Um, the university did not pause in any workouts, according to Heather Dinich of ESPN, but individuals who tested positive have been put into isolation for 14 days and will be retested at that point. The school also said contact tracing procedures have been implemented and including quarantine and testing for anyone who might have been exposed, even if asymptomatic. That's the scary thing about bringing football back, is how many kids get tested positive. Now, the other side of it will say, well, yeah, you expect it to happen. It's going to happen. People are going to test positive. Okay, what if someone dies? And don't give me the whole, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that phrase. It's not going to work. What if a kid who goes out into a football field, competes his butt off, gets coronavirus, and then passes away? Then we're dealing with a huge, scary animal here. A young man or young lady in athletics has lost her life because we decided to put him on a field, and then they, um, and then they got sick. This coronavirus thing isn't a joke. Like, it's, it's real. We should all understand and be aware of that. But the fact that we're pushing for sports so badly, and I get it. I want sports to happen too. Really, really badly. I would love it. The problem is, is that, again, we are putting these young men and young women at risk for what? For what? Your entertainment? Money? I get it, colleges need money. I, don't get me wrong, I understand. But why? I mean, why do we put these kids at risk like that? If, if things are the way they are, and we, we've seen things kind of, it hasn't, I mean, it's went down a little bit, but we've never seen it go just down consistently, this whole COVID-19. We've never seen it go down consistently for a whole week. For an entire seven days, all seven days, it went down. It's been down, then up for a couple days, down for one or two days, up again. There's never been consistency, and that's what scares me the most about playing football on a college football field. Fans or no fans. In fact, to even have fans would be crazy too, I, I'm going to dare say, uh, to put them at risk. Uh, by the way, really quickly... Um, BJ Reigns of the Idaho Sports Press, who has joined us on our show before, uh, does a great job covering the Boise State Broncos, um, talked about the options that the Mountain West could have. Because, again, BYU is in the situation where they don't, they may not have another two opponents if the SEC does decide to go conference only. So does the Mountain West Conference turn heads and say, you know what, BYU, for this year or this year alone, do we take you? You already know my feelings on this, so I'm not going to repeat it again. But if he says, BJ Reigns, if the league were to add BYU for a year, the Mountain West could still keep a full 12-game schedule by playing BYU and each of the other 11 teams in the conference. A full 12-game schedule with BYU in there and adding, or excuse me, and still getting all the other, all other 11 teams. Just keep that in mind. I, I don't think the whole BYU playing independence twice a week, I don't see it as a uh, as an okay thing for the Cougars. I don't think BYU University is thrilled with that idea. 
I think if push comes to shove, and for them, it's quote-unquote worst-case scenario, they'll come to the Mountain West. Again, I don't like to say it, and I don't know you don't like to hear it as much as I do. I uh, I cringe at the fact that BYU would be joining our conference for one year only. But if they were able to like, get them into a conference, get them games, and, you know, it's it's almost it seems like at times that the Mountain West, not the teams, <laughs> but the, uh, the higher-ups of the Mountain West Conference wouldn't mind having BYU be in the conference for at least this year. Especially with that ESPN TV contract they have, right? But it's all pending. It is all pending if we have college football. And the people I've talked to in the last week, it's fluid. I mean, if you really want me to be honest with you, it is 50-50 at best. At the very best. 9315 text in. When I was in college, it would have killed me more like to not play in sports because I wouldn't have the support system to keep me out of trouble. And I would have been afraid to play at that age. Keep BYU out of the Mountain West this year for who they, for how the, or excuse me, for how BYU treated the Mountain West Conference. I believe is what he's referring to there at the end. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm with you. BYU is, has turned their nose up at the Mountain West Conference multiple times, verbally as well, publicly as well. Uh, and so with that, I don't think BYU. Uh, is a sexy option for me to be a part of the Mountain West Conference. I don't like the idea. But the Mountain West higher-ups, Craig Thompson and that crew, when they hear BYU, they lick their chops. They're thrilled with it. BYU being a part of the Mountain West Conference is something that is enticing for them. Um, and you're right, though, 9315. To not have sports for some of these kids would be devastating for them. And you worry, what do they do if they don't have sports? Now, we have great kids, great, great student-athletes at Utah State University. Great student-athletes. And I know that they have great mentors over them, whether it's football, whether it's women's basketball, men's basketball, soccer, track, whatever it is. They have great mentors. And we have a wonderful university athletics department. That is, uh, that is mentoring these kids. A wonderful university athletics department at Utah State. Lucky to have them. But again, for some kids like in Miami, in Detroit, in Minnesota, uh, in California, if you don't have a football season, how dangerous does it become? It's a great point, 9315. If you want to text into the show, you can do so at 435-339-0321. Coming back, we're going to talk Utah Jazz basketball, MLB baseball. Joe Kelly's been suspended for eight games. Right or wrong, should they have suspended him? And I have a special guest with me coming up here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and A.J. Selvison. There will be more players who will get coronavirus. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't really concern me to a degree. What happens next is what's really going to be telling. If you can successfully isolate one person who gets sick and it doesn't affect the rest of the team or the league as a whole, then we can still do this. But if you can't, a team gets sick, it's spreading all over the league, it's not handled well, it's going to be springtime before we see any sports again. Starting at 4 p.m. on 106 FM 1390 AM and 106andthefan.com. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, 
Welcome back. Final episode of Season 2. We'll be off tomorrow as the Utah Jazz take the radio airwaves. We'll be back on Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. in our Season 3 premiere of the Full Court Press. Grateful to have you joining us, however and wherever you are doing so. Text into our show at 435-339-0321 to call in 435-752-1069. I'm joined by my very special guest here in studio, my own partner in crime, Eric Franson. Eric. I'm just a guest today. Just today. Just today. Okay, you dressed like... Uh, so you need to treat guests with respect and be nice to them. I do? Yeah. We normally try to do that. It's like a house rule. Now, co-host, you can berate me. House we rule. Can debate. How would I know? You won't let really- you won't ever let me come to your house. How would I know? <laughs> How would I know? Uh, Eric, welcome yeah. to the show. You uh, made it back safely from yeah, Bear Lake. Yeah, sorry, a little late. How did Bear Lake treat you today? I had some vehicle issues. Okay, no one cares, but how did Bear Lake treat you? Beautiful. Oh, it was warm Beautiful today, Beautiful today, yeah. Oh, man, it was warm. Not windy. It's warm. It's very nice. Uh, let's go ahead and start here, Eric. Uh, I want to get your thoughts really quickly. ACC has decided to go to a... Conference schedule with one added game. Give me your thoughts on that, where you stand, and the fact that Notre Dame is now a part of that conference. Is there a trend that we now see maybe with the SEC or with the Mountain West? Well, I think today's announcement is uh, makes me very hopeful that college football will still happen this fall. Uh, I think there were some uh, inclinations earlier this week that maybe the ACC, SEC, Big 12, they were going to put off making a decision just to give them more time to say, we just can't play this fall. We're going to have to delay. But um, I'm actually encouraged by that, that they're, they're doing a conference schedule. Uh, they're bringing uh, Notre Dame into it. Um, and so they preserve some of those regional rivalries that they have. Uh, and like you talked about earlier, I did listen earlier, I, I like that there's no divisions here. So I think that opens things up. So it's your, your two best teams will compete in a conference championship game. Um, there is, are some reports. Uh, now I just lost it. I just had it up here. Uh, somebody, uh, where did he go? Oh, Dennis Dodd. A source says that the SEC is considering at least three scheduling models, two plus ones in a conference only. So I don't know what a one plus one schedule might look like, how that could be different from another plus one schedule, but. Uh, we'll see what that uh, what that comes out with, but I think that is encouraging to see that uh, that's happening. And I think, like you said, I think this could be something interesting for the Mountain West and BYU. I think that there is a lot of hard feelings, uh, of strong opinions about BYU throughout the Mountain West. It's not unique to Utah State. Um, I think there are a lot of people who feel like, look, you made this bed, now you have to sleep in it. But at the same time, I think that uh, they would see that it would be good for renewing regional rivalries, traditional rivalries, and uh, um, and for just uh, the the side action of the the talk before and after these games. If uh, if the Mountain West helped BYU out and they were somehow working out a, a scheduling agreement with each other. So, but I don't know. I mean, there's still a very strong chance that the Mountain West just uh, puts things on hold, and because uh, they already have one member institution that their state is asking that they don't play. So, uh, if they don't, or excuse me, if they start practices, which you said they've started practices, yep. 
And then they decide, well, we're going to still have to wait a while and do this in the spring. That's hard, Ajay. That's really hard. It's expensive to bring all those kids on campus to to house them, to feed them. And then if you're not going to play any games, oof. Yeah, it's uh, there's so many variables to it that kind of make me wonder which way we're going to go. I, I feel like the ACC made the decision so they don't need to wait till the last minute. I felt like you know they had prepared long enough, they had long enough discussions that you said, you know, let's just get out of let's just get it out of our system, let's get it out there so everybody knows this is what we're going to do if we have a football season, not knowing if we're going to or not, just if we have a football season. And if we do, then we're prepared. We already know full steam ahead, well ahead of the situation, what we were, or excuse me, well ahead of the decision, what we are going to do, where we stand, and how it's going to work. Because you're adding in Notre Dame. I think that's why they maybe they announced now is because with the addition of Notre Dame, <clears throat> excuse me, being in the conference. Uh, by the way, speaking of which, uh, Brian Fisher on Twitter uh, has uh, said, by my count, 2020 ACC TV controlled regular season games in the original football schedule was 94. 2020 ACC TV controlled games in updated football schedule is 84 plus a six to NBC. That is shared revenue for league. That is such a big caveat and a big plus for the uh, for the ACC is that they get split revenue among all 15 institutions that they'll be able to uh, split their revenue plus with the six NBC games uh, thanks to Notre Dame. Does Notre Dame being in the ACC maybe change the way, if we have a college football playoff, what it could look like? Because if you think about Notre Dame maybe running its side of the table, I mean, Clemson and Notre Dame play each other once. That's in their, uh, That's at South Bend, Indiana in Notre Dame. Say Clemson and Notre Dame. Notre Dame beats Clemson at home in the season opener. Or it's in their first game. But then when they get to the ACC championship and they're the two highest winning percentage teams, again, they're not doing it by division. It's a whole thing to put together. And then Clemson splits it and they beat Notre Dame. That may get two teams into the playoff for the ACC. Thanks to Notre Dame being in there. It's possible. I mean, before ACC, can, or excuse me, the uh, uh, Notre Dame, the Irish, kind of had their own path. And to get there, to get them there, um, but it's still possible that they could um, have a pathway to uh, to still get there um, by playing more of a full ACC schedule. So, uh, which won't hurt them. You know, playing in an ACC schedule versus the schedule they had before as an independent, I don't think it'll hurt them too much. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on uh, Notre Dame joining though? Do you like it? Spicy? Yeah. Well, I mean, basketball already has. I mean, it's already in that arena. Uh, football, it's always it's been kind of a friendly relationship already. It makes a lot of sense. Um, though, I guess maybe regionally, the Big Ten makes a little bit more sense. But uh, but there's already been some uh, close ties between Notre Dame and the ACC. So it, it makes a lot of sense that they would. Uh, work something out like this. I'm I'm really not surprised by that, um, but I think it does give some encouragement. Uh, it's an encouraging sign that that uh, they feel like there is a chance and a path forward for college football to still happen. And you look around the country and some of the the, the states that where the hotspots have been, they're trending down. So I think those are those are really encouraging signs. Let's just hope they stay that way. 
uh, basketball, Aggie basketball, is uh, started practice yesterday. Uh, no word on what kids internationally have been able to make it to Utah State yet. They're still working on that, I'm sure, uh, to get their visas and to get them here. But, man, just knowing that basketball is back on the court, that the Aggies men's and women's basketball teams are back on the court, just brings back a little bit of excitement because you feel like for the Aggies there was some serious unfinished business after the Mount West Conference Tournament Championship win. Agreed? No? Yeah, yeah. This this upcoming year, if they can, we're going to assume that they do have college basketball. Yeah. I think it's going to be really exciting for USU. Just everything is coming back. Sorry, I was drinking Gatorade while you finished. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just... And it's some of the new faces that we haven't seen yet, but we know that are in there. Yeah. In the mix. It's going to be spicy. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit of baseball really quickly. Uh, did you see the Dodgers-Astros game early? The highlights at all? <laughs> Sorry, what's that? Did you see the Dodgers... Some Dodgers... Dodgers-Astros highlights from last night's game? I didn't see the highlights. I've heard plenty about it, but I didn't see the actual how it played out. So Joe Kelly decided to go out and, you know, be the one guy who stands up against this this evil army called the Houston Astros. (laughs) We knew it was going to happen at some point. But here's the thing is, dude, how many guys he threw at? I mean, if you want to peg one guy in the back or put him in the ribs— they're looking for it. They know it's coming. You take it. You're happy. You go to first, and that's your thing. But, dude, he just kept throwing at him. He, <laughs> so, for that, Joe Kelly has received an eight-game suspension from the Major League Baseball that occurred this uh, earlier this afternoon for his role. And, by the way, the benches did clear it. They socially distantly fought. So, proud of you guys. Most of them had masks on. Hey, Not everybody hey, stay did. stay away. Get six feet away. <laughs> you suck. No. I, I mean, so, by the way, and under that 60-game format, an eight-game suspension, Eric, would account for more than 13% of the schedule. Along with that, Dodgers manager Dave Robert was also in- issued a one-game suspension for it. And the Houston Astros manager Dusty Baker was fined by the MLB. It's saucy. Like, so Kelly goes in there and he throws a fastball behind Alec Bregsman's head. Then taunts Carlos Correa on the way back to Dugout after striking him out with a breaking ball. Uh, and by the way, through all this, Kelly's going to appeal his, his suspension. It, that's not going to work. Um, well, he's been suspended before. Before, yeah. But, I mean, it, it, I mean what was it? it was six games in April, I think, for hitting Tyler Austin for the New York Yankees. But uh, And Roberts, by the way, is going to serve a suspension tonight as they uh, cap off the Astros-Dodgers series. Uh, Kelly denied intent. Of course he did. He said, quote, my accuracy isn't the best. But the problem is, Eric, is that it was a 3-0 count, and he says his fastball got away from him. And how does it get away that badly where you nearly knock the guy in the helmet or at least take his helmet off, even his head maybe, uh, and uh, and say it got away from you? He threw four pitches that were high to uh, uh, Yuli Grail. Greeley? Guerrilla? Tyler Knowles, help me out there I don't know if you're listening. Yuli Guerrilla. Yes, him. Uh, but he threw four pitches high. And by the way, two of them were like whizzing above his head. They weren't just like high and extremely outside. They were high and inside. He uh, struck out Correa, and then the the taunting that Joe Kelly made for pouting, or I guess this 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 pouty face, if you will, at Correa, and uh, then said some things that we cannot repeat. <laughs> but here's the thing: if you want to bean him, sure, go ahead. But here's my rules: you bean one guy, thigh, ribs, or in the hip, nothing else. 
nothing else. Don't go above the shoulders. So that's why I agree with the eight games. Yes. I absolutely agree with the eight games. <laughs> uh, I'm reading the comments. This is from uh, Astros starter uh, Lance McCullers Jr., he says, uh, not only did he take it upon himself to send a message, but he wasn't even part of the team during yeah. that season. Well, that's when Tyler Knowles just texted me. He's just like, AJ, you, and by the way, at, Knowles is a huge diehard Astro fan. Uh, and if you were following on Twitter last night, you loved every moment of it. But uh, Knowles texted me. He says, hey, aren't you going to mention that Joe Kelly was part of the cheating Astro squad? <laughs> well, or not Astro squad, excuse me, Red Sox. Red Sox. Excuse me. Well, McCullers continues and says, we knew coming into the game that he likes to go off script. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> What he did after he punched out Correa was unprofessional. Running into the dugout was unprofessional. So it is what it is. We're here to play baseball. We just want to win. That's it. Does the Astros go back at him? Tonight? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? You don't think the Astros get the last word and put one ball, one fastball into like Seager's thigh, and then the ump comes out, gives warnings to both dugouts, and then we're playing baseball? I mean, something like that, maybe, but I I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt it. Hey, John Russell just texted in and says the only way I ever got on base was getting beamed. Well, no crap. <laughs> Why do you think I was always so angry? Uh, but no, but again, I don't agree with what Joe Kelly, how Joe Kelly went about it. I don't agree with the taunting. I don't agree with throwing at their heads. If you want to put it, if you want to do it, again, thigh, ribs, or hip, one pitch, that's it. We move on. Hey, if we're going to talk about guys getting bean, why don't let's talk about Rizzo for the Cubs? What happened? He's been hit five times so far this year. Why are they throwing at Rizzo? Because he talks smack and he plays for the Cubs. <laughs> no, I mean, I'd throw he hasn't at done him. anything wrong. That's what you think. Maybe he has. Maybe he's been jawing off during exhibition games. Maybe, uh, yeah. Has he been really beaten five times? That's five times. He was hit today. And that's his fifth time so far that this season. That sucks, man. Yeah, poor guy. I like Rizzo, too, actually. He's a cool cat. Yeah, I do, If it too. was Chris Brown, I wouldn't feel bad at all. <laughs> but if it's Rizzo, and I love Rizzo. Hey, and did you see Mike Trout get mad after a strike three call? Mike Trout's one of the most cool, calm, collective guys. He lost it after a strike three call that was maybe shoulder high. It was at the top. I did see that it was at the top of the, uh, the strike zone. Um. And it's in that gray area where if, or if it was a computer, it may be one thing. If it's an ump, it could be different. But, uh, yeah, he was not too pleased about it. But it's a little bit different now. Like If you want to argue with the ump, you got to step back, put your mask on. You can't get close to That's each other. That's the best part. Is, what, what game was it? Was it last week? Oh, it yeah, the yeah, Pirates, yeah. I think. Was it the Pirates? Yeah, and the umpire... And the umpire Comes out and he hurry and throws his mask on, and the manager <laughs> the manager comes out and like he throws his mask and, on, yeah, and wait. he's all like, "Hey, I'm six Just a feet. Minute. I'm six feet. You're still a bad umpire, man. If you, Eric, if you ever knew, if I was mic'd up, and you knew the things I said to umpires, you would be ashamed of me. When I was a coach at Green Canyon, I used to say some bad stuff. I had some great, great one-liners to get thrown out of a game, though. They never threw me out, though, which was actually kind of impressive. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, tomorrow, the Utah Jazz are the first team to get the, the ball rolling for the NBA again. Yummy. Uh, I think it's uh, it's really significant that the Jazz were the last NBA team to play 
when it all got shut down. And now the first team. And now be the first team in the restart. Point. I think it's uh, significant for that, and just it's it's an historic uh, NBA season, no matter what. And the Jazz get to get it started again. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how well things go for these Utah Jazz and uh, what what it might look like after eight games. We're going to go ahead and get to that now here. Actually, excuse me, next. We're going to skip this week in the NFL. I apologize. Uh, but we're going to get to our commercial break, come back, talk to Utah Jazz basketball. They play tomorrow. We will not have a show tomorrow. We'll start on Friday, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, for the season premiere of season three of the Full Court Press. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and AJ Salas here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, and 106.com. Uh, no show tomorrow. We got Utah Jazz basketball. We'll see you for Friday's show. Two hours, we begin it. It's back. Can't wait. Cannot wait. A lot of good stuff to uh, get through. It's Jazz basketball. As you said, Eric, I love how you noted it. Last game that played and the first game that will restart. Yeah, although I guess they weren't technically the last game that was played. Because I think there were some games that perhaps happened after them, but basically they were. They the, were it was the that reason, game though. that yeah. it got shut down. Yeah. It's all we all know it was for the Utah Jazz Oklahoma City game that the, the season shut down, and it'll be the Utah Jazz involved in the restart. So already historic season, no matter what how you look at it. <laughs> um, ESPN they put together their uh, their predictions. Uh, they did a, a thousand simulations. Oh jeez. Based on real plus minus rate of players and like who they have on your roster, because a lot of rosters have changed, they've been adjusted, so they've done an updated real plus minus there, and so um, they've they're looking at the different seeding after the eight games are done after all the simulations. What is the likelihood of of your your seed in the West? So they got the Lakers at number one, of course, one hundred percent. Bizarre. I don't think that's such an automatic lock, but okay, they have, sure. Let's, well, they have such a, a they have a gap with their winning percentage already as yeah. it is, and so it's unlikely they're going to move off of that. Uh, Clippers at number two, very strong position for them. Denver at number three, pretty strong position that they will be there. Uh, then they have the Jazz at number four, so they believe that the Jazz will hold on to that fourth spot. But here's what's dicey. Um, so there's a 17 percent chance Jazz can move up to the three. A uh, 22% chance they'd be at the five. A six percent, or excuse me, a 21% chance they'd drop down to six. Uh, but the strongest position is at the four, and then they would have Houston at the fifth spot. Um, and they're they're right on the heels of the Jazz. Oklahoma City, they see them dropping down to six. Dallas at seven, and Memphis at eight. Oh wow! And if it's the Jazz in Houston again in the playoffs. We're done. Uh, without Boyan Bogdanovich, I really worry about the Jazz making it to the second round. Yeah, we're done. Like James Harden owns us, and he gets every call in the book. And then the way the Jazz defensively, they put Rudy Gobert on Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that was just bad decision making. Because they'll let him go out there and shoot, which he'll make a few threes, but he's not a great three-point shooter. He likes to attack the rim, so it makes a little more sense to put Rudy on him. But how will they deal with 
with Tucker and uh, all the other three-point shooters that they have. And can the Jazz do enough defensive rotations and have enough offensive firepower to to hang with Houston or maybe even displace Houston? See, that's the question: is is matchup wise, defense offensively? I think they're okay. Defensively, they're a, it's just a nightmare for for Utah for whatever reason. Quinn can't get out of his own head when he goes up against the Rockets. I don't get how this works. And James Harden has been just really good in these three scrimmages. He had 35 last night against Boston. That was without Eric Gordon for a majority of the game who had sprained his ankle. X-rays were negative. Uh, but I just I don't like the matchup defensively for the Jazz. I think it's just a mess. Yeah, I uh, struggle. Uh, interesting, the Athletic. They uh, some of their predictions. They say that the Rockets will be a threat in spite of themselves. And then uh, one point they have is U- Houston is contractually obligated to play Utah in the first round of the playoffs until the sun burns out, and we seem headed for that matchup again. I, I'm telling you, if the Jazz could just cough up a couple of games and fall to the sixth spot, maybe they let's do it. Maybe they shoot for Let, uh, let's, honestly. Let's, let's just do play it. with lineups and not take it too seriously. Yeah, let's just go have some fun, dance. We'll play into the sixth seed, play the Nuggets, beat the Nuggets, and then we have the two seed instead of the one seed, the Lakers. Because they're not going to get into the third spot. They match up really well, as weird as it sounds. They match up really well with the Clippers. Extremely well, Eric, with the Clippers. I think they're more competitive against the Clippers than they would be against Houston. Again, Utah Jazz, New Orleans Pelicans. That is 4.30 Mountain Time tomorrow. It'll be here on the station. David Locke, Ron Boone will be calling that game from Vivint Smart Home Arena. You'll be able to watch that game on TNT. Clippers, Lakers, 7 o'clock tomorrow night on that very same station. And we'll have pregame starting at 4.20 here on The Fan. Until then, we will talk to you on Friday, Season 3 premieres. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Miami Marlins are the team everyone in pro sports is worried about. But maybe leagues should be watching the New England Patriots as well. Several players have opted out for the season. It makes sense. They have a lot of veterans, guys who've already gotten paid, already won a Super Bowl, like linebacker Dante Hightower. He looks around, and Tom Brady's gone. His fellow linebackers from last year, Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy, are gone. He just had a baby and has a mother with diabetes. One season isn't worth it. Every player has to consider the risk-reward ratio. Young players face a different set of decisions than the older ones. But if a team starts to lose games or players start dropping off, you would think the incentive to play drops significantly. Then even more players could leave, and competitive balance is a concern. Then again, it's the Patriots. They could find a way to go 12-4. and But right now, they face a serious challenge, keeping their run of success going. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.